Kia ora whanau. Uh, this is a bit, bit different. For once, I wish I could see all your smiling faces looking back at me. Um, but I confess I am pre-recording this. There are a few too many things that could go wrong <laughs> my end to attempt doing the live thing. Um, but happy Sunday to you all. Thought we'd do uh, church from the garden this morning. I have been loving seeing all your guys' little uh, clips that have been posted on our vineyard page and um, and hearing what you've been doing and what you've been learning and your different perspectives on stuff. Um, life is really so rich when we when we do it together, huh? And um, I just wanted to give a big shout out to Lyndon and Angela. Um, thanks, guys, from all of us for making it possible for us to have such a deep sense of connection still, even in uh, a time when we can't physically meet. Um, and thanks to all of you who've shared a little something with us over the past week or so. Uh, this morning it's my turn to share with you all, and I really just want to share some thoughts out of what I've been mulling over with God this year. One thought um, I've had simmering all year is around just doing today. And it seems a pretty relevant thought actually in the situation that we currently find ourselves in. Uh, day 11 of Rahui, thanks Lexi, loving the new terminology. And this question of how do we do today well? While I totally acknowledge the need for preparation, forward planning, big picture thinking and all of that, um, I wonder what might change and how we might be better off if we simply approached each day with the question, how do I do today well? There's another question that's been in the mix for me over this time and that is, I've been wrestling with the thought of what it looks like to carry hope. Uh, and for me, this wrestle actually started long before COVID-19 became a real threat. It started with, what does hope look like for that mother who has just chosen to report her own son to the authorities in order to keep her granddaughter safe? What the hang does hope look like for her? What does hope look like? What does it look like to carry hope to the nanas in our community? who find themselves raising their mokopuna because of parents in prison or trapped in the world of meth? And how do I offer hope to the 15-year-old separated from her siblings uh, because it's not safe for her to live at home? And the 17-year-old who's already had two failed rehab attempts, how do I keep holding on to hope for her? More recently, that's um, become a question of how do I articulate my hope? Like, like actually, when Ashlyn comes to me and tells me that she's worried about coronavirus, how do I explain trusting God to my nine-year-old? And then there's the cross. We're a week out from Easter. What actual difference does the cross make? What does the cross speak into all of these situations and scenarios? So many questions. I often feel like I have far more questions than I have answers for. How do I do today well? What is the essence of my hope and how do I explain and offer that in the midst of brokenness? And what does the cross speak to all these situations and scenarios? 
And although I don't have comprehensive answers for all these things, there is one thing that I'm landing on, one thing that I'm quite sure of, and I'd like to offer that this morning. Simply, it's this thought of God being with us. There are so many verses that speak of this, but um, I want to go to Judges chapter 6 this morning and take a look at the story of Gideon. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak that belonged to Joash where his son Gideon was threshing wheat. I just love that picture. God's angel just sitting on down under the oak tree. Now the context of this story is that the Israelites have actually been oppressed, totally oppressed by the Midianites for seven years. For seven years the Midianites have ruined crops, killed livestock. Verse 5 says, they came like swarms of locusts. They invaded the land to ravage it. And verse 2 says, the power of Midian was so oppressive that the Israelites sheltered in mountain caves. For seven years that endured this. Okay, we've been in isolation a few more than seven days and some of us are complaining there's no flour in the supermarket. But the Israelites, you know, they'd suffered this for seven years. So it's no wonder that we find Gideon hiding out in a wine press to thresh that wheat and keep it safe. And in the midst of all that angst, God's presence just draws near and takes a seat. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak. That picture alone is so rich. To me, in a time of isolation, it speaks of closeness. The angel of the Lord came. He drew near. He came alongside. He came to the place where Gideon was. That picture speaks to me of ease and calm. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak, made himself at home, found a spot in the shade and settled in. It speaks of an everyday kind of familiarity. There's no pomp and ceremony. I can't say I've ever threshed wheat, but um, I don't imagine it's a particularly tidy job. <laughs> but the angel of the Lord's not bothered. He just comes and sits down under the oak tree. Then he speaks and he says to Gideon in verse 12, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, Gideon hasn't even done anything yet. Unless threshing wheat qualifies you as a mighty warrior, by his own admission, in verse 13, Gideon's clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and he is the least of his family. Yet, when God comes close, he tells a different story. He names him Mighty Warrior. It all depends on who's telling the story. A bit like the word um, Rahui that Lexi was telling us about the other day. Switching out the terms lockdown and isolation with Rahui. Protection. Restoration of the people and the land. When God comes close, we do well to pay attention to his words and his perspective. Can I point out that um, at the time the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon, Gideon's not only feeling weak and insecure in himself, he's also discouraged and doubtful about God. Verse 13, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? Pfft, the Lord's abandoned us. 
anyone been there before disappointed defeated empty angry Gideon says weak and least and abandoned God says mighty warrior I am with you I am sending you when God comes close his presence can change everything and then verse 16 gives the most incredible example of what God invites us into the Lord answered I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites did you get that God says I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites so God's presence is a sure thing it's like he's saying I'm here I'm coming too but it's Gideon who gets to take down the enemy. It's like God saying, I could easily wipe out the Midianites, but where's the fun in that? Come on, get in on this. You get to be mighty warrior. God invites us into partnership. I read um, a book over the summer called Sensible Shoes. Actually, Angela mentioned it during the week. Anyway, um, one of my main takeaways from that book was that any spiritual discipline I engage in, in fact, the whole focus of my journey with God is always towards deepening intimacy with the Father, as opposed to self-improvement. I'll say that again. The focus of any spiritual discipline, and in fact, our whole journey with God, is always towards a deepening intimacy with the Father as opposed to self-improvement so I can rest in relationship and I can release myself from any sense of expectation on me to do more or be more it's not about needing to improve myself but the coolest thing is that when my focus is on intimacy the result of living from a place of God with me will be growth and improvement for want of a better word let me try and explain so there's a whole bunch of other verses isaiah 41 10 do not fear for i am with you deuteronomy 31 6 to 8 do not fear for it's the lord your god who goes with you joshua 1 9 be strong and courageous for the lord your god will be with you wherever you go i don't think these verses are military type commands do not fear be strong uh, it's a bit like the other week when Lyndon was talking about the disciples in the boat with um, Jesus and Jesus asked them where is your faith and Lyndon's thought was that Jesus wasn't saying are you morons where's your faith but rather it was a sincere and kind and loving prompt to again put their faith in the one who's sovereign over everything and likewise, I think these verses would be more accurately read as, I'm with you, I'm here. Wherever you go, I'm coming. And when we live out of that reality, the outcome will be that we don't have anything to fear. 
we will be strong we will have courage because of his presence so it's not it's not a oh, do not fear must not fear oh, I feel afraid must be a useless Christian you, you get the, the gist growth and strength and courage these are not the goal but they are the outcomes of engaging in the reality of God with us. I recently heard Grace described as God's empowering presence and I haven't been able to let go of that thought. Grace is, is not this gentle covering of my mess ups, you know, we'll just shuffle that to the side. Grace is the power of God with me. Grace is the power of God with me that results in a stronger me, a kinder me, a braver me, a freer me, a more creative me. And I believe that that's the partnership that God invites us into, to know God with us in order to be mighty warrior. I want to take you to one more verse. In John chapter 1 verse 14 which says the word became flesh and lived among us the message says the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood don't you love that the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood so here's where I'm landing hope looks like God in our neighborhood God close by under our oak tree in the midst of whatever our circumstances, God with us. And the message of the cross is just that, of a God who positions himself alongside, a God who won't stop at anything to be with us. And I do today well when I live out of that, when I live conscious of his presence, open to his presence, when God with me becomes my reality. We started with three questions. I want to finish with three statements that God gave me at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't think they're specific to me. I think it's what God would say to each one of us and it's this. Believe me, I'm here and I've got you baby. Believe me. What is it that God has been saying to you, stirring in you, speaking over you? What is he inviting you to trust him in right now? Didn't you love Lyndon's story two weeks ago? God really is a friend just trying to be kind. And this morning he says, believe me, I'm here. God with us. It's really that simple. That's how I explain hope to my nine-year-old. You know, to a hurt child, just the presence of someone they know and love can make all the difference in the world. To a kid that's woken from a nightmare, one of the biggest comforts is the voice of mum or dad saying, I'm here. It's okay. I'm here with you. There's an old um, spiritual practice that you may have heard of called the prayer of examine. It's a way of 
prayerfully reflecting on and reviewing your day with the Holy Spirit. And one of the questions in this that I've been challenged with on more than one occasion is, where did I most feel the presence of God today? On here. Can you remind us that, you know, God wasn't put off by the mess of Gideon's wheat threshing. He isn't waiting to be ushered into the tidy living area of our life, if you know what I mean. He wants to draw close in the mess and the muddle of wherever you are. What might it look like for you to allow God's presence to meet with you today? And I've got you, baby. This idea, again, of a beautiful partnership. God doesn't come bursting into the room, full of his own importance, shouting out, I'm here now. You can step aside. I'm here. And this is all about me, remember? Nah. The picture I got for this one was um, one of a child learning to ride a bike or swing the monkey bars. And mum or dad steadies the back of the bike seat or steadies the child as they hang from the monkey bars and says, I've got you, baby. The parent is there to help and encourage, to instill confidence, um, to comfort when things don't go, go right, and to celebrate every success. But the kid is the one who gets to do it. The kid is the one with the massive smile of accomplishment on their face. So what's God nudging you into today, saying, come on, have a go. I've got you, baby. Believe me, I'm here. I would love to finish off just by praying a real simple prayer over us. Father God, would you keep us open to you, to your presence, your promptings and your pride in us, your children. Help us to do today well as we do today with you. Amen. Hey, now don't run away. Um, that's over and out from me, but we are going across to Linden now. So blessings from our bubble to yours and over to you, Linden.